This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is America Changed Forever from the CBS Audio Network. I'm Jeff Begay's filling in for Gil Gross. On this edition of America Changed Forever, former President Trump changed America and the Republican Party. The question today, did he irreparably change the Republican Party and how firm a grip does he have on the GOP? Just this week, the New York Times' Maggie Haberman reported that President Trump is telling loyalists that he expects to be reinstated as president by August. As absurd as that may seem, there are Trump supporters who believe it. Coming up, hear from Dana Milbank, who is a columnist for The Washington Post, on Mr. Trump's hold on the GOP. He is still extremely popular with the Republican base. You know, three quarters of Republicans, much more popular than any other figure in the party. Also, my colleague at CBS News, Major Garrett, on Trump supporters and why they are still so very loyal. Donald Trump brought something engaging and important to politics, something that was visceral, something that to their mind was a set of truths that we all or they all understand, but no one ever had spoke before. And if I heard one thing from Trump supporters once, I heard it a thousand times. Other politicians didn't get their facts wrong, but they were lying to me nonetheless. Trump may get his facts wrong, but he never lied to me. And then Larry Sabato of the University of Virginia. This suggests to me that uh, enough people are attached to him so that if he runs again in 2024... Uh, he has a chance to win, depending on what the situation is with President Biden and the Democrats. But first, my conversation with Dana Milbank. Over the last couple of weeks, Dana, Brian Sicknick's mother and partner, they've been on Capitol Hill. They've been on television. They've been trying to get a January 6th commission established. But obviously, it's something that failed in Congress. Is that another Trump win? <laughs> Well, sure it is. I, it, 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 they uh, urgently need to get to the bottom of what happened uh, on, it, with the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, not in a, in a retrospective, uh, you know, historical way, but the whole idea of the commission is to prevent such a thing from happening again, not just on the Capitol, but on the government of the United States, on uh, public officials. Uh, so, you know, look, I think those people standing in the way of the uh, uh, commission uh, are leaving themselves, you know, both politically and morally uh, vulnerable when the next attack comes, because it's a matter of when, not if. It doesn't mean an identical attack to that. Uh, but uh, the, the, you know, the, it's the Sicknick family is doing heroic work. But re remember, after uh, 9-11, uh, it took all of those family members, thousands of them, uh, a, a year or so until they finally got uh, Congress and the White House to accept uh, a commission. So this is one family. 
uh, and it has not been uh, as long as that. So it, it, the battle may yet uh, go on, uh, but uh, to the extent uh, the Republicans are able to avoid looking back at it, yep, that is a win for Donald Trump. You have written columns critical of the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and other Republicans for coming to Trump's rescue. That's the way you see it. So what you're basically saying is that you think that they have been his enablers? Yes, I think McConnell in particular. You know, every now and then, like, uh, he will say something uh, critical of Trump, uh, most famously right after uh, uh, Trump's acquittal in the Senate on the, the, the second impeachment. But, you know, when it really matters, uh, he's been there with Trump. He's been uh, – he, he fought against uh, having uh, – uh, efforts to uh, fortify U.S. elections against Russian and other foreign interference. Uh, he worked, uh, as by his own uh, claims, very closely with the White House. There's no difference between them on the uh, first Trump impeachment. And on the second one, right before the Senate was to hold a vote, he sent a, a message out to his colleagues saying, we don't have the authority to do this. I'm going to vote to acquit. Now, uh, it, may, it may well have happened anyway, but that cemented the acquittal for Donald Trump, and he owes that all uh, to Mitch McConnell. Uh, and now we're seeing that, you know, he's the primary one uh, putting an end to this commission right now. He's not just uh, saying he'll uh, oppose it. He's working really hard uh, to keep Republicans in line. Uh, and he's, you know, told them quite openly he thinks it's bad politics. Uh, so he's, you know, I, I would say very clearly uh, putting uh, self-interested uh uh, immediate term politics over uh, the national interests and even the, the security of the uh, members of Congress. I have seen things that I never thought I would see in this democracy, uh, things that have surprised me, people who uh, used to appear to stand for one thing, uh, you know, joining the Trump club and essentially saying whatever the former president says and backing it up. Uh, you know, no matter the facts of the of the equation. Uh, and so I'm, I'm wondering what and you've sort of alluded to this in, in our conversation. But, you know, what you've seen over the last four years, has it been as surprising to you as it's been to me? Well, it's I, I would say it's shocking, um, but not necessarily uh, surprising. And that is, you know, the the uh, the various assaults on whether it's the courts or the Justice Department, the FBI, uh, you know, the military, the press, it it it, it just uh, the Congress, it, it, it has been sort of uh, astonishing that uh, a president of the United States would do this and uh, his uh, political party in Congress uh, would support it. But I do think that uh, it has been building towards this uh, for a very long time. I mean, the the big lie about the election, you know, this it has been uh, predicated on various other lies that were accepted uh, within uh, the party of Trump, you know, whether it's uh, uh, birtherism or you know going all the way back to uh, uh, Vince Foster's death they, they the leaders of that party have been systematically telling their base their supporters don't believe uh, what you're hearing it's really something other than what you're seeing uh, and what you're hearing so uh, they were conditioned to accept 
uh, things that are just fundamentally not true. They were likewise uh, conditioned over time to accept that, okay, violence may be acceptable uh, in our politics or that uh, the, uh, the ends justify the means if you happen to uh, do things that are that are not quite within uh, the rule of law. So, you know, this has been building uh, from the days of Gingrich uh, to uh, the days of, of Dick Cheney and, and Karl Rove uh, in the White House. Uh, and then uh, we've seen it uh, in the Tea Party. Uh, and then, of course, in its, in its worst incarnation uh, with Trump. So I, you know, I, I, it's been a series of iterations of this getting uh, further and further from uh, sort of how both uh, parties in American democracy function for a very long time. Well, I was about to say, is it just the Republicans or do Democrats share a role in, in the atmosphere that is now evolved? Well, for sure, you it uh, Democrats have had a role in in many of the things that are, are causing our politics to deteriorate. The ridiculous sums of money that are uh, flowing into politics, the uh, tribal uh, sense uh, of the politics, um, but it is not. Uh, you know, people often talk about polarization. Uh, it is. It is not. Uh, there's not sort of an equal balance here. And I, I think you do see that in uh, sort of the never Trump uh, conservatives, the, the thoughtful uh, intellectual conservatives who are um, saying, hey, that this, this has gone uh, completely out of bounds. So it's, uh, it's, it's not parallel uh, between the two sides. I think the, uh, the movement uh, towards this uh, nationalist party uh, has had a reaction uh, uh, an opposite reaction on the Democratic side. But you can see in the primaries and in the uh, types of uh, uh, people coming to Congress that it does not, uh, it, it, the Democratic Party has at least so far resisted awarding uh, the extremes to the sense that uh, the Republican Party has. So I, you know, I, I, I think the Democrats are complicit in a lot of this. But what we have seen here is uh, one segment of American politics completely going off the rails, uh, and then it was building uh, to this for uh, a long period of time. Dana Milbank, thank you. My pleasure. When we come back, CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett will join me. Stay with us. This is America Change Forever. Welcome back to America Change Forever. Major Garrett has covered both Democrat and Republican presidents. He wrote a book during the Trump presidency called Mr. Trump's Wild Ride. He is also the host of the Takeout podcast. Major, thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. Let's begin by talking about the future of the GOP. So I'm going to ask you to look in your crystal ball. What kind of future do you see for the GOP? It is a turbulent future, at least for the near term. And the great turbulent factor is the same one that has been turbulent in Republican politics since June of 2015, Donald Trump. And the continued visibility within the party of Trump, he's not very visible on American politics, at least on the staging of it right now, but he's visible in the minds of grassroots Republican voters because there is a fundamental rule of politics, and even Donald Trump cannot topple this fundamental rule, which is... If you're the best known thing in any political party, 
Until there is a viable alternative, guess what? You're going to be the best known thing in your political party. And right now, beyond any shadow of a doubt, Donald Trump is the best known thing in the Republican Party. And there is no visible alternative currently acceptable to Trump-identified Republicans. That does not mean there won't be. But until there is, the default mindset among grassroots Republican voters is, I'm with Trump. And you see this reflected in polling data. They want Republicans to be Trump-like Republicans. And they want the party to retain the ideas that Donald Trump brought to Republican policymaking, low taxes, cutting regulations, increasing the defense budget, even creating a space force. (laughs) Wait a second. Yes. You said ideas for a reason, right? Because in terms of cutting taxes, in terms of spending – You know, there are a lot of Republicans who say, whoa, wait a second. How much spending did he do? Yeah, well, he did a lot. And uh, by contrast, Joe Biden is doing more. And that's a point of contrast. But those Republicans want essentially Trump influenced ideas in the Republican Party, whether it's on trade or certainly on cultural issues in this country. The idea that there is a Trumpian approach to what it is to be an American. There's a Trumpian approach to patriotism. There's a Trumpian approach to faith. There's a Trumpian approach to race. And those things feel to many grassroots Republicans who identify themselves as Trump Republicans as deep dividing lines, deep, deep dividing lines, not just points of contrast with the Democrats, but almost existential differences. Like if we do what the Democrats want in their mind, we are undoing or unraveling all America has ever been. And when things are that deeply psychological, they are that deeply identified with not only sense of party, sense of idea, sense of the public space and a debate about ideas, but self. When they are that deeply embedded in your own identification of who you are and where you fit in the American experience, they're very powerful, which means they're deeply psychological. And the one thing that is true currently, as we speak right now about the Republican Party, is it is psychologically in the thrall of Donald Trump. Will it remain there? That is the key question, it seems to me, for the Republican Party to answer. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think Trump's hold on on the party is fleeting? I mean, how much longer can this keep up? Now, especially given the fact that you have these open criminal investigations hanging over his head and that of the Trump organization, you know, could that be a game changer in, in, in terms of his public support among Uh, his followers in the GOP. It certainly could be. I think that there are three ways to think about this. One, if let's say you're an insurance adjuster, there's an actuarial component to this. How long is Donald Trump going to live? There is a related health component to that. Not only is how long is he going to live, how long is he going to be energetic and vigorous? They're related. And then there's a whole judicial component to this. What do other Republicans say if, in fact, Donald Trump is indicted? Now, we know what Donald Trump is going to say. He's already told us what he's going to say. I'm the victim of the greatest, longest-running witch hunt in American history, and it's all unfair. Well, lots of people say that when they're brought before the bar of justice. Some are vindicated, meaning found innocent. Some are convicted. Donald Trump's going to have to go through that process if, in fact, he's indicted. But what is the orientation toward that by other Republicans? Is it, oh, yes, I'm right with Donald Trump. He's a victim. Or is it, well, he's going to have to go through the bar of justice like everyone else. Meanwhile, I'm giving a speech in this venue, and I'm going to this early primary or caucus state because I have to, and the Republican Party has to think about a life after Donald Trump. I'm told in Republican circles, lots of people, 
are planning for that eventuality. Not necessarily that he gets indicted or not indicted, but they are planning for the post-Trump Republican Party, meaning I'm the alternative. I'm going to fill that current vacuum because there is one right now. What is the credible alternative to Trump? People are trying to prepare to be that alternative, waiting for the best moment to make that suggestion. Is Liz Cheney uh, someone in that category or did the loss of her leadership position damage her for the future? So Liz Cheney is not part of that equation. She's part of a separate Republican equation, which is not only do we, does the Republican Party from Liz Cheney and I would say Mitt Romney's point of view and certainly the Lincoln Project and others, those Republicans who say no. It's not just Donald Trump, but the things that Donald Trump brought to politics that have to be exercised from the Republican Party. And the Republican Party has to get back to something that's much closer to either Ronald Reagan or George W. Bush, something that also tries to deal with the demographic trend lines that are running relentlessly against the Republican Party, meaning younger voters tending to gravitate toward the Democratic Party, some voters of color moving more dramatically toward or more demonstrably toward the Democratic Party. Those demographic tendencies worry Republicans in a post-Trump era. And so Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, and others like that are part of this maybe 8, 10, 12% of the Republican Party that says, we have got to get back to what we used to be about and actually purge the party of Trumpism. And those who want to be the follow-ons to Donald Trump, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, or uh, the Matt Gateses of the world, um, Madison Cawthorn, those who say, I'm more Trump than Trump, or I'm as Trump as Trump. The Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, Lincoln Project wing of the Republican Party is, no, no, no. No, no. That's a loser's bet. That's not a long-term proposition. And the old Republican Party, maybe in a new person, has to be created. When I talked earlier about lack of alternative, boy, there is a lack of alternative there. Because Liz Cheney can't do it. Mitt Romney can't do it. Who else might do it? When Donald Trump was running in 2015 and 2016, Marco Rubio would have been one of those people you might suggest now could, but he's moved and gravitated much more so to the Trump direction. So was Lindsey Graham. I mean, the gravitational pull of Trumpism is incredibly strong. So Liz Cheney is not part of that alternative. She's just part of a sort of rump wing of the Republican Party that is trying from its small minority position, like I said, 8 10%, maybe 12% of the party, that wants to have a deep-seated conversation about the philosophical direction of it. But until Trump is moved or eclipsed by something or someone else, that's going to be a hard conversation to have and certainly a harder one to win. Let's stick with Liz Cheney because as she was fighting that battle on Capitol Hill, I was thinking, oh, I wonder I wonder if she's trying to position herself for maybe a, a run for president. Could she perhaps – uh, peel off independent voters, get some moderate Democrats. Could she put together a big enough coalition uh, to actually mount a serious challenge to uh, a Trumpian candidate? So she could if there was no primary process, but there is. And the primary process requires, in large measure, Republican voters to vote. And that cancels her out at this stage. In 2024, Liz Cheney cannot run credibly in the New Hampshire primary, South Carolina primary, Iowa caucuses, Southern primaries, Florida, as the successor alternative in the Republican Party. I mean, not as, as what we know about the Trump Party, Republican Party, as it currently exists. Now, that's a long time between now and 2024, but you've got to start planning for it now. And you certainly have to start planning for it no later than next year. So the Trump aspect, because there's no alternative, remains powerful. 
Liz Cheney would be attractive in a general election. But there's an old saying in politics at the presidential level that Jeff that goes like this. Yes, anyone in America can grow up to become president, provided you're the nominee of a major party. And the nomination process is crucial. You cannot become president unless you become nominee of a major party. And the nominating process currently with Republicans at the grassroots level is Trumpian influenced and heavily so. And until that ends, Liz Cheney doesn't have a chance. I've been told among Republicans that Nikki Haley is already being discounted as a potential running uh, potential nominee in 2024, even though she served in the Trump cabinet. But she is perceived by grassroots Republicans as insufficiently loyal to Trump. So if you, having served without controversy and without any public disagreements with Trump, which Nikki Haley can, did and can say, and even so, you are regarded as insufficiently loyal and therefore discounted. If that rules you out, Liz Cheney's got no chance in a nominating process. Well, I guess Matt Gates is Matt Gates would be the guy then, if if that's the standard, I guess, right? So it's not it's not slavish loyalty. It's not the only thing, but it is a component part of it. You have to have demonstrated uh, a certain amount of street cred when it comes to I was with Trump here, 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 and if you weren't or you were quiet, grassroots party activists, those most likely to participate in primaries and caucuses, deeply influenced by the Trump effect on Republican Party politics, are going to rule you out. When we come back, more of my discussion with Major Garrett, CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Stay with us. This is America Change Forever. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome back to America Change Forever as we continue our conversation with Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News. You know, you hear people calling President Trump supporters and the sort of frenzy that follows him. The amount of, of people, and he, he says 75 million people voted for me, the number is actually under that slightly, right? But he he contends that, you know, these these are his supporters. All these people voted for me. And whether you look at QAnon or other areas of the, the Trump support apparatus, they are committed. You have to give them that. I watched this play out in 2015, 2016, and as I covered the Trump presidency, because Donald Trump brought something new. And for these Trump supporters, and not every Trump supporter, not even a large percentage are QAnon followers or adherents to conspiracy theories. Some are, but some Trump supporters just feel like Donald Trump brought something engaging and important to politics, something that was visceral, something that to their mind 
was a set of truths that we all or they all understand, but no one ever spoke before. And if I heard one thing, Jeff, from Trump supporters, once I heard it a thousand times. Other politicians didn't get their facts wrong, but they were lying to me nonetheless. Trump may get his facts wrong, but he never lied to me. And they made an important, a deeply emotional distinction between the two. They attributed to all sorts of skilled rhetorical politicians the capability of saying one thing and meaning another. Whatever Donald Trump said, they believed they knew exactly what he meant. And to them, that was a level of truth, not fact, but truth that was powerful, differentiating, and vital to their involvement in politics. And guess what? In our country, you get to make that kind of distinction. Voters get to make those kind of choices. And they've made them by the tens of millions for Trump. And they feel devoted to that distinction that they made, that they drew. They're like, you know, I've watched politics long enough. I know what's going on and I've decided. And one of the things that keeps going in the Trump phenomenon is people who attack it or assail it or criticize it. These Trump supporters take that personally. It's not about the Republican Party. It's not about conservatism. It's not even necessarily about patriotism. It's about me. So when Donald Trump says they're attacking me, but they're coming after you, Trump supporters in their gut believe that. And that is different in a political conversation. That's why the devotion runs deeper and has lasted longer. And until there's an alternative to that, will remain something that anyone in the Republican Party has to reckon with. And this is why I wanted you on the show, because you... You have it figured out. What you just said, I could not repeat, but I get what you just said. I understand what you're saying about Trump supporters, but let's switch gears. Let's let's talk about I haven't really heard people yet grade President Biden on his first six months in office because you have the experience covering White Houses, both Democrat and Republican. President Biden, what do you think? How's he done? So one of the things that's true about presidential performance is when you solve problems, the next question is, what's your next problem? Presidential politics and presidential approval and presidential agenda setting are all about the next problem. Let's just do a thought experiment in which after 100 days, the Biden administration had fallen well short of its vaccine distribution goal. And what if after 200 days, it was still behind that? And we were not anywhere close to reopening or lifting or reevaluating mask mandates. What would the conversation be about the Biden administration? I would argue it would be close to being effectively over. And the sense of democratic demoralization about the midterms would be so profound as to be nearly, in a metaphorical sense, politically suicidal. Okay? How many stories are being written right now about well, how great this was on the vaccine thing? None. Zero. But what are you doing about the Middle East? What are you doing about the border? What are you doing about inflation? Is inflation real or imaginary? How are you dealing? with it? It's always the next problem. And I would say the summer ahead, meaning June and July, because Congress always goes on a lengthy recess for August, will be determinative of the country's ability to evaluate and grade bipartisanship in, in pursuit of big policy ideas. One is police reform, and that's being a pursued at a serious level by serious people. 
Infrastructure is also being pursued by serious people at serious levels. If both come through, the White House will be able to say, look, is it legislation that everyone loves, the progressives want and got everything? No. But is it progress? Is it moving forward? Is it bipartisan? Are a lot of Republicans still voting no? Yes, they are. But are some voting yes? Right. They are. You can see it for yourself. You can judge the results for yourself. So I think the next 60 days for the Biden White House are crucial to this next grade from the American people. Major Garrett, thank you. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. Coming up, a history lesson. How will history judge former President Trump? Stay with us. This is America Change Forever. Welcome back to America Change Forever. Larry Sabato is the director of the University of Virginia Center for Politics. He is also a New York Times bestselling author. Larry, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Jeff. Nice to be here with you. Wanted to ask you about President Trump, of course. He is now, according to the New York Times, telling people that he will be reinstated in August. Have we ever seen a former president like this? Absolutely not. Uh, Donald Trump is one of a kind, and I think most people who study government would not regard that as a compliment. Uh, It is absurd for any former president to suggest that he could automatically be reinstated. Now, I could see him being reinstated as president of Trump University. That's fine, but not president of the United States. But this is serious stuff because you have his supporters— who believe him. We've had other presidents with very strong constituencies that will stick with them through thick and thin. We saw on January 6th what happens when these people are told directly by Trump to do something, uh, and he gave them direct orders plus a wink and a nod. It can happen again. That's what people need to accept. It can happen again. Yeah, even Michael Flynn, the former military defense intelligence official who President Obama once advised President Trump not to hire. Of course, President Trump hired him anyway, and the rest is history. Not only did Michael Flynn spend just about, I don't know, 24 days in the administration as the national security advisor, but of course... Uh, He struck this plea deal and then contested the plea deal. And that's a long story, only to tell that short version of the long story, because recently he was at a gathering of QAnon believers, essentially endorsing the idea of a coup. Uh, That was shocking to hear any even retired uh, uniformed officer of the armed forces of the United States Uh, endorse it. And he clearly endorsed it. He's trying to deny it now, but it was as clear uh, as anything we can see on on a glorious morning. It was frightening to hear that. Believe me, if that isn't sedition, I don't know what is. Historically, how do you think history will judge former President Trump. Well, it's difficult to speak for history, especially 50 years in advance, although it's also easy because you won't be around to get the the, <laughs> the uh, blowback. 
but I would uh, personally, and and I was, I tried to be as open as I could in the beginning. And this ought to be an object lesson for American voters from now until the end of time. When you make a mistake in a presidential election, you, the society, will suffer and suffer and suffer. But even still, and I get the point that you're making, but as the former president likes to say in his now press releases, not on Twitter, but in his press releases, 75 million people voted for him. And a large segment of that, they still support him, despite the insurrection on January 6th. This suggests to me that uh, enough people are attached to him so that if he runs again in 2024, assuming he's still free, uh, he has a chance to win, depending on what the situation is with President Biden and the Democrats. What about the Republican Party? He has a hold on the Republican Party. Uh, and you see it every day as members of Congress sort of twist themselves into pretzels trying to um, trying to support the positions that he advocates in his press releases. What does this mean for the Republican Party going forward? Many in the Republican Party are hoping that with time, Donald Trump will fade. Of course, we heard this from them all the way along in the nominating process in 2016 and then almost monthly during the Trump presidency. Uh, and then, of course, uh, during and after the insurrection. But here we are, six months later, and Trump still has a stronghold on all of the, the most of the activists, 70, 80 percent of them are still very pro-Trump. What it suggests to me is that this party, unless it changes, is not going to have the status that it once did, the status of alternative party and the two-party system and inevitably, you go back and forth presidentially in control of Congress. Uh, that may still happen, but it is, it's no longer a small-D Democratic Party. They have endorsed what Donald Trump did, what he has said. And a good deal of what he has said is anti-Democratic. But still, you know, I, I think if you look at the support that the former president has, um, if you look at the state of the GOP, I'm wondering, has the Republican Party ever been in a situation like this? And not in terms of power and influence and support among the population. I think those who value democracy and value the American system would say uh, we no longer have a responsible alternative party. But, of course, it's what the people say on Election Day with the votes correctly counted as they were in 2020 and also 2016. Uh, so, yes, you can suggest that the Republican Party has managed to convert many Americans to a more authoritarian system, which is what Donald Trump represents. And does it say something, though, about... The state of the country right now, and is there a group, a large group of people 
who are looking for something different from their politicians, who feel like both Democrat, Republican, independent politicians in the past have said that they would do things and they aren't delivering. But for some reason, Donald Trump delivered for them because even though he's this guy from a multi-millionaire background, he has this Queens, New York, and having worked and lived in New York for a long time, you know, I, I believe I can say this, you know, he, he has this working class Queens, New York touch where even though he has, he's been so detached, if you will, from what the average person is going through in, in terms of the daily struggles, he has the common man touch that appeals to people. Yes, he does. And of course, we've had a series of wealthy presidents in American history who have often been wildly popular among uh, those who had very little, starting with uh, Franklin Roosevelt in the modern era. The fact is that the people who are backing him believe him. They believe him to the exclusion of all other figures of stature, unless they also support Trump. And they believe him to the exclusion of responsible news organizations. That is also very, very disturbing because we no longer have a common conversation in the United States about public matters. Larry, thank you. I enjoyed it. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Welcome back to America Changed Forever. I'm Jeff Begays. Donald Trump once had the ability to communicate directly with tens of millions of followers through his accounts on Facebook and Twitter until those social media giants suspended his accounts. So Shana Zuboff is a professor emeritus of the Harvard Business School who expressed her disapproval of Facebook on CBSN. Everyone today is, is you know, muddling through this thing because Facebook never had and does not have clear criteria for what it does about anything, let alone how it has handled Mr. Trump, not only in this recent, this most recent decision, which by the way, was not a ban. <laughs> It was an indefinite suspension. This so-called oversight board was a device that Mr. Zuckerberg created. And the idea here is that they are somehow going to uh, you know, clarify the rules of the road. Well, nobody voted for them. Uh, they have no democratic legitimacy. Uh, these kinds of things are usually decided by public law and public institutions. And now, by kicking the can back to Facebook, They've kicked it back to an economic juggernaut based on surveillance economics that actually profits from all of the crazy information that is produced by falsehoods of organizations and networks and 
organized disinformation campaigns about politics, about COVID, and all the rest. So by sending it back to Facebook, we sent it back to the void in the middle. And that void is where democracy is supposed to be. When we ask the question, what should the, the rules of the internet be? How should we govern and manage communication on this unprecedented medium? We know the answer. We have the answer because we faced this kind of thing before in our history as a democracy. In every industry, at the beginning of the industrial century, uh, business owners had all the power. They had all the decision rights. They decided everything. And uh, we figured out that that really wasn't working very well. We needed to have rights and laws and institutions that would stand not just as a reflection of who's in the White House, not just as a reflection of what private industry wanted, but would stand on their own clear objective criteria with public accountability and transparency. Uh, this is what we're missing. We are forced to just press our noses up against that blank window looking into this void where we must begin the work of inventing the democratic institutions just as we did a century ago. We invented those things that were going to preserve workers' rights and consumers' rights. That's the work we have to do now. Democracy has to step into the void. We have to step into the void. That is this week's America Change Forever. You can download previous episodes wherever you download your podcast. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Begay's CBS, and on Instagram, at Jeff Begay's 6. My thanks to Paul Woody Woodhall in District Productive. For Gil Gross, I'm Jeff Begay's, and that is how America changed forever. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.